We are in a series we're calling What's Next with an exclamation point because we do not believe the scriptures are uh, foggy about what will happen as time unfolds. Very quickly, we've said that right now we're in the church age, began the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. We live in the church age. I believe we're near the end of the church age from the signs and human history and the current events. The church age will end with the rapture of the church when those who are in Christ are caught up alive at the coming of Christ to meet the Lord in the air, but not preceding the graves of born-again believers who have died during the church age. They'll be resurrected first, and then we who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. After the rapture of the church, we come into an event of seven years' length called the tribulation. Our sermon this morning is the first in two sermons on the tribulation. Essentially, the sermon today will give the biblical uh, position that the rapture of the church will will be prior to the seven years of tribulation. And we'll look at some reasons we look at the scriptures to come to that conclusion. After the seven years of tribulation, they will end with a second coming return. So there's a rapture return where Christ comes to earth's atmosphere, seven years of tribulation. Then a second coming event of Jesus when he comes actually to the earth, to Jerusalem, to set up a thousand-year kingdom. We call it the millennium. When Satan is thrown in prison for a thousand years and Jesus Christ rules and reigns earth. It's going to be a great, great time. After Satan is released, there's a final battle. Jesus Christ defeats Satan and all those that side with Satan after the kingdom. By the word of his mouth, Jesus defeats them decisively. Then there's a great white throne judgment where all the unredeemed and unbelieving of all the eras of human history stand before Judge Jesus individually and are sentenced to hell according to degrees of punishment based on their sinfulness on earth. After that great white throne judgment, we who know Christ as Savior, the redeemed and the converted, we will in new glorified bodies, enjoy a new heaven and a new earth forever. So this is the panorama of uh, where we understand the scriptures teach us that the end time events will unfold. And as I said, this message is the biblical reasons that we understand that the rapture of the church that ends the church age and begins the seven years of tribulation is prior to the seven years of tribulation. I have six reasons why we as a church believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. The first reason we do is the word church does not appear once in Revelation chapters 4 through 19. The principal chapters of the New Testament on the future seven years of tribulation, not once in those chapters does the word church appear. That's because the church will not be in the tribulation. In Revelation 22.16, the church as a name reappears in Revelation. It says in Revelation 22.16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. So the church is not mentioned in Revelation in any of the chapters due with the tribulation. The church is only mentioned again in Revelation when it's already the second coming of Christ has occurred, the millennium has occurred, and the new heaven and the new earth are being realized. 
So the church in Revelation appears in chapters 2 and 3. The churches of ancient Asia Minor, the ancient churches are mentioned in Revelations 2 and 3. Churches mentioned in 2 and 3, not mentioned again, chapters 4 through 19, the tribulation chapters. And then the churches mentioned again in Revelation 22, 16. The church will not be in the tribulation. We will be raptured first out of here before the tribulation judgments occur. The first reason, then, we believe in a pre-trib rapture is the no mention of the church. Second, according to 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 7, a big contributing factor to the full-blown judgments of the future tribulation is the removal of the Holy Spirit's ministry of restraint. You realize as bad as things are in the world right now, they are being restrained by the Holy Spirit who lives in you if you're saved. As bad as things are in the world right now, sin is being restrained to what it will be because the Spirit of God lives in us who know Christ as Savior. But when we are raptured out en masse, the restraining work of the Holy Spirit will cease on earth. And evil will run Roughshod and Christ will judge that evil. Second Thessalonians 2, 3, and 7. Listen to the restraining ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church, the people of the church, that will be ceased, that restraining work will be ceased when we are raptured. Second Thessalonians 2, 3 through 7. Let no one in any way deceive you. For it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And then the man of lawlessness, that's another name for the Antichrist, is revealed, the son of destruction, another name for Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above above every so-called God, little g, or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, that is in Jerusalem, displaying himself as being God. The Antichrist is going to Uh, claim to be God in the future tribulation. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? As you know, what restrains him now so that that in his time he may be revealed? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, the Holy Spirit, only he who now restrains will do so until, until, He, the Holy Spirit, is taken out of the way. How does that happen? When we who house the Holy Spirit in the church age are raptured out, then he who has been restraining evil now, the Spirit of God, by living in believers like you and me, when we are raptured, the restraining ministry of the Holy Spirit that is current will cease. And then... That lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. Why do we believe in a pre-tribulational rapture? Because the word church doesn't appear in the main chapters of Revelation dealing with the tribulation. Secondly, we believe that in a pre-tribulational rapture because there's going to be an unrestraint on evil in the tribulation. And that's going to happen because the bride and body of Christ, who are the repositories, the temples of the Holy Spirit, will be airlifted out. But there's more. 
Why do we believe in a pre-tribulational rapture? The third reason is that in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, in the chapters that dealt with literal ancient churches in the Mediterranean basin, while the New Testament was being written, there's seven churches that are being addressed. And by the way, if you want more teaching on these seven churches, I'm giving it on the radio Sunday morning, 7.30 to 8 a.m. on Echoes of Calvary, 15.40 a.m., ZNS. But the church here in Philadelphia is being addressed when we come to Revelation 3.10, not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but the first Philadelphia in Asia Minor, all right? And this is what Jesus says to that ancient church, and by extension, he says to us today as Calvary Bible Church, Revelation 3.10, because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing. That's the tribulation. That hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell upon the earth. The preposition translated from, we need to understand in the original Greek, means kept out of. Kept out of, not kept through. When I was in high school, we had final exams, and many of our students on the island are writing their final exams. It's one thing to be kept through the exams with God's help, but it's quite something else to be exempt from those exams because of your high grades, and you be kept from having to write them. The preposition here in Revelation 3.10 is that God promises the bride of Christ, the church, that we will be kept from having to go through the tribulation. We'll be exempt. It's not a keeping through the tribulation here. It's a promise of being kept from having to go into the tribulation. That's why we believe in a pre-tribulational rapture of the church, but there's more. The fourth reason we see in Scripture we believe the rapture happens before the tribulation is this. The New Testament consistently teaches that born-again believers are exempt from God's wrath. You know why? Because every drop of God's righteous wrath for your sins and mine was absorbed by Jesus on the cross. He took all the wrath that we deserve as our substitutionary atoning sacrifice. He died the just for the unjust. He absorbed all the rightful, righteous wrath of his father against all sin, our sin. Jesus took it all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin that left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. And so we believe the rapture of the church will precede the seven years of tribulation because the seven years of tribulation is a time of the outpouring of God's righteous wrath on earth and God's righteous wrath for the church has already been outpoured on the cross of Jesus Christ on his back. I'm going to go through a lot of verses. Just let them wash over you. The point being that the Bible teaches that the redeemed of the church age, you and me if we're saved, will not ever be the subjects of God's wrath. Romans 5.9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Or Romans 8.1, therefore is ne- there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, 
and wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe the rapture of the church will take place before the seven years of tribulation because God has poured his wrath out already in full portion on Jesus, our wonderful Savior. You know it will take all of eternity to thank Jesus enough for doing that. That's one wonderful side of the coin that makes us believe the raptures before the tribulation. That is, the New Testament teaches that born-again believers are exempt from God's wrath. But the second side of that coin, or a fifth reason we believe the scriptures teach that we're raptured before the tribulation, is this. The tribulation will be an intense time. An intense time. We'll see how intense next week the Lord spares life. The tribulation will be an intense time of unprecedented outpouring of God's wrath. What does that look like? Well, let me just give you, let me just pull the curtain back as far as verses in the book of Revelation let us see the intenseness of God's outpoured wrath future in the tribulation. Let's start with Revelation 6, 15 to 17. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Or Revelation eleven eighteen, And the nations were enraged, and your wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged, and the time to reward your bondservants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. Or Revelation 14, 9 to 11. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. These verses I'm reading to you, beloved, are just samples. They're not exhaustive. They're just but samples that the tribulation, future seven years of tribulation after the rapture of the church will be an intense time of unprecedented outpouring of God's wrath. Revelation 4.19, I go on. So the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Revelation 15, verses 1 and 7. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last because in them the wrath of God is finished. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Or Revelation 16, verse 1 and verse 19. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell 
Babylon the Great was remembered before God to give her cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. One more, Revelation 19.15. From his mouth, Jesus' mouth, comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God Almighty. We get the point, don't we? That this future seven years of tribulation are wrath distributed to sin, to rebellion, to perversion, to exploitation, to blasphemy. There will be a day when sinners who seemingly get away with it now will not. You don't want to be in that tribulation. But you will be if you don't trust Christ to be your Savior before he comes or before you die. But all the joy, all the peace, all hope that church age, truly born again believers like us are not going to be the recipients of God's wrath and the tribulation. What a joy. We will have been raptured first. I want to show you one more evidence that we believe that it is a pre-tribulational rapture, and it's this. The New Testament teaches that the timing of the rapture is unknowable. I don't know the timing of the rapture. None of you know the timing of the rapture. It's unknowable. The scriptures teach that. But at the same time as it being unknowable, it's imminent. It could happen any time now. There is no biblical prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled that would hold the rapture off. Christ could rapture the church today. The question is, will you be ready? Yes, the fact that the New Testament teaches that the timing of the rapture is unknowable and imminent argues for a pre-tribulation rapture. Let me show you why. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 9, Now, as to the times and the epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Do you know when a thief's going to break into your house? I don't either. That's the point. Thieves break in when you don't know. The rapture of the church will be like Jesus coming like a thief in the night. While they were saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day, and are not of night nor of darkness. So then, so then, so then, let us not sleep as others do. But let us be alert and sober, for those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as the helmet of the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us to wrath, but for obtaining salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. 
And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do you see the day drawing near? Anti-Semitism in Europe, steady reduction of the nations and the member nations of the European Union, microchip technology to identify, put bank accounts in subcutaneous chips. Do you see the day drawing near? Revelation 1.1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bondservants the things which must take place soon. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bond servant, John. Friends, think with me logically. It is only a pre-tribulational timing for the rapture that leaves the rapture both the time being unknowable and at the same time imminent. Let me explain that logically. I mean, if it was to be a mid-tribulational rapture, some believers believe the rapture of the church will be three and a half years into the seven at the midpoint of the tribulation. If that were so, and I do not believe that is so, but if that were so, then persons would know that three and a half years after the rapture would be the second coming of Christ. And if the timing of the rapture was a post-trib rapture, some believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, believe that the rapture of the church will be after the seven years of tribulation. That's also a problem. If that's the belief, then once you saw the tribulation begin on earth, then you know that seven years later is the rapture. You would know the timing of the rapture. It is only the teaching of Scripture that the rapture of the church will occur before the seven years begin that makes the timing of the rapture unknowable and yet imminent. Okay, I, I realize that some may be saying, with all due respect, Pastor, um, I think the church is going through the tribulation. Despite these biblical evidences to the contrary, you're saying in your heart, I, I, I believe we're going through. What I would say to you is what my mentor said to me when I was a young Christian, if you want to go through it, then go right ahead, I'll be raptured. Why do we believe that Christ will gather out the church in a miraculous, instantaneous way called a rapture before the tribulation. Number one, the word church is not mentioned once in Revelation chapters 4 through 19. Number two, the predicted all-at-once removal of the Holy Spirit's restraint on evil, combined with the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in believers, and believers will all be airlifted at once in the rapture event. Number three, we believe a pre-trib rapture because the promise is that the church will be kept out of and not through the tribulation. Number four, the promise that believers in Jesus won't see God's wrath because Jesus saw God's wrath for each of our sins. Number five, 
The tribulation is the time period for God's most intense wrath. So it makes total logical sense. If we are not to experience God's wrath because Jesus did so as our substitute, then the one period of human history that is intensely targeted at pouring out God's righteous wrath on sin would be a time period that we who have been forgiven and washed by the blood of the Lamb would not be a part of that era. And six. We believe in a pre-trib rapture because it is only a pre-trib timing of the rapture that makes the rapture time both unknowable and any time now. These are important and, and practical uh, truths. Let me give you some applications as we close. Say, okay, pastor, you're making the case from the scriptures that I'm going to be raptured because I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I'm going to be raptured before the seven years of judgment on earth start called the tribulation. What difference does that make now, Pastor? What difference? It makes a big difference. Number one, you can stop calling your bad circumstances the tribulation. (laughs) That's nothing. Whatever you're going through, As bad as it is, it's nothing. So stop calling your bad experiences now the tribulation. Next, be thankful to God that he has a plan. And he's working the plan. He's not up in heaven wringing his hands when one world leader says or does something last week and God goes, oh dear, now what do I do? God has a plan unswerving, unshakable, unstoppable. He is sovereign. He is in control of his universe. He is in control of every molecule and atom. There is not one rogue molecule or atom in this planet Earth or any of the multiple galaxies that God has made. God has a plan, and it's unfolding. And he's been so gracious to tell us what it is. Be thankful to him. Be thankful that your God is proactive. He's not reactive. God is proactive. Be thankful. And be thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ absorbed all of the wrath that you deserved. All of the righteous wrath that you deserved, Jesus has taken upon himself as your substitute in your place. Because he has the future tribulations, wrathful judgments against sin, which will be manifold and intense, will not come upon you if you know Christ as your Savior. Do you know Christ as your Savior? Are you sure that you do? Or you hope you do? There is no bigger question to settle before you breathe your last. There's no second chance after death, no purgatory, no prayers for the living to get the dead out of purgatory. Are you sure? 